So we're going to look at this section that Chris read this morning for us, Matthew chapter 18. And we've already looked at the first few verses, but I'm going to look at them one more time. Um, and we're going to go to verse 14, God willing. What way I'm going to do this is, this is Jesus' teaching. Matthew chapter 18 is a whole section of Christ's teaching. Um, and we're not doing the whole thing today, but just the first part of it. Um, but I'm going to divide the sermon into two parts. The first part is I'm going to go through this and ask the question, what is the good news about God in this passage? What is the good news about God? This is Jesus teaching us about God, and what is the good news about God? Because it's, it would be easy to take away from this passage only um, ethical teaching, like do this, don't do this, and do the other thing. But in it, in this teaching, is teaching about God. And there's good news in this teaching, good news in this teaching about God, and I want to make sure we get that. And then we will, um, if time permits, we're going to get to, um, to another uh, section and some other things that we can get from this passage, okay? So the first point I want to make today from the first section, and I'll read that in a moment, is that God will welcome, God will welcome humble sinners into his kingdom, that his kingdom is a, is a kingdom that will welcome in humble sinners, sinners who have recognized their sin, who are humble in their attitude because they see their sin and they recognize their sin. Um, this is at the heart of what it means to humble yourself. Um, and I've already, I've already preached this passage, but I want to make sure you don't miss that component, that how do you humble yourself? You don't just pretend to be something that you're not or, or try to lower yourself physically somehow, or, or, but you humble yourself by reckoning with your sin, by, by, by uh, becoming aware of your sin. And we're going to get to that theme in a moment. Opponent. But I want you to see in this that what is, what is uh, being taught in this passage about God is that God will welcome humble sinners into his kingdom. Um, look, at this, look at this passage again. Uh, G- at that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he wants to get them off that track completely. For- forget that thing about greatness and about trying to be great. Um, and so he calls a child to himself, and he set the child before them. Um, and um, uh, he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And then in this whole section, now that he's, he's, a, he's said that, he's basically saying um, Christians are little children. <laughs> Christians are little children in, in the sense of their humility, in the sense of their low stature because they've humbled themselves because of their sins, because of a recognition of their sin instead of Going up, they have brought themselves low and humbled themselves. So in this passage, he refers to Christians, just ordinary Christians, uh, any Christian, in this unique way of calling them little ones. Uh, little, he begins with little children, but then he switches to this phrase of the little ones, the little ones. And when he says little ones, he's talking about Christians. He's talking about Christians who have recognized their sin and humbled themselves. And so the idea here is that God will welcome humble sinners into his kingdom. He's warning them against not being humble and so about rejection from the kingdom. But notice what's being implied here is that, that they are welcome. They, they are welcome into the kingdom if they recognize their sin, if they're humble sinners. Um, and I, let me read verse 5. And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name 
welcomes me. And what he's saying is anyone who welcomes a Christian, a Christian who's humbled himself, recognized his sin, and now lives as this, as this little child and as this little one, um, reckon, uh, welcomes them in my name because of Jesus, because they belong to Jesus, he's welcoming me. They are part of my kingdom. They are in my kingdom. They are connected to me. They're part of my family. Um, and, of course, how does God welcome humble sinners into his kingdom? By the blood of Christ. Um, little ones are Christians, and, the only, and, and they are sinners. Are they sinners? This whole passage, what's interesting about this whole passage is it's going to keep referring to Christians as sinners, as they're the little ones who, um, who, who, are, uh, who stumble. They're the little ones who even stray sometimes, but they are still God's people. They are still Christians, and God still loves them, and he will welcome them into his kingdom one day. Sinners will be welcomed if they have acknowledged their sin. Um, and to the world, they look unimpressive. To the world, they have a low status, but it's because they are, they are humbling themselves deliberately because they recognize their sin. Instead of using religion, which you can very easily do, and religion and theology and the Bible to lift yourself up and raise yourself above other people, genuine Christianity, true Christianity, is one that humbles you because you recognize your sin. The more you spend time in the Word, the more you recognize your sin. So the first thing is that God will welcome humble sinners into his kingdom. The second thing is that God will help Christians when they face stumbling blocks. Um, uh, I'm going to read in the New American Standard, verses 6 and 7, because I want you to not miss this, this word that's being used there. The NIV sort of interprets it for us. Um, and I want to read it for you in, in a, a, something that gives us a little bit more literal. It says this, But whoever causes one of these little ones, that's Christians, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it is better for him, and by stumble here is the NIV says cause to sin, and that might be a little bit too specific, but that certainly is part of it, causes them to stumble in their path, stumble on their way through, through, through life, on their way following Christ, to sin would certainly be part of that. Um, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to stumble, it is better for him that a heavy millstone be hung around his neck and that he be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of its stumbling blocks. This is the, this is the word that's being used here, a word for stumbling blocks. For it, and notice how many times it's, he says it. For it is an inevitable that stumbling blocks come, but woe to the man through whom the stumbling block comes. And we're going to get back to that again in, in a minute about what it means to be a stumbling block. But I just want you to see, first of all, the good news about God is that notice that in this passage, God is defending the little ones who stumble. Notice that. It's, it's, we, uh, we need to talk, too, about being a stumbling block and, and how not to do that. But first you need to see God's attitude towards this, these little ones is, yeah, they're stumbling. Yeah, they're falling into sin. They're falling off the path. They're, 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 they're falling away in different ways. They're tripping and stumbling. They're not doing what they're supposed to do. But notice God hasn't dropped them. He hasn't left them. He's actually defending them and saying to the world and saying to others, Woe to you for being a stumbling block to my people. You are causing sin among my church. But, but he, his attitude towards his church, towards his little ones, is still love. His attitude towards them, he's, and he's still with them and helping them um, because of Jesus, because they belong to Christ, because they have been saved by Jesus' blood, because they are in Christ. They are one with Christ. They are part of his church, and that's not going to change. So when they stumble, God is still with them. He's still faithful to them, and he actually turns his, his wrath towards those who caused them to stumble. 
uh, towards those who are, uh, who are hurting them, not, uh, not towards the Christians themselves um, who are stumbling, clearly doing, doing things they shouldn't do, clearly failing, and yet he still loves them. So, so number two, God will help Christians when they face stumbling blocks. Notice that. It's easy to read a passage like this and get scared, like, oh gosh, am I a stumbling block and, and, and am I going to hell and, and all that. But notice the point of it. I mean, the, the, the underlying point of all this is how God's devotion to little ones, the little ones who know they are sinners and they stumble and they even wander off and God is still with them. He still is faithful to them. Number three, God will send angels to minister to Christians. This is not teaching necessarily the, 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 the idea of guardian angels, everybody has one angel assigned to them and it's your guardian angel. Um, that's not taught clearly in Scripture at all. Uh, maybe it's true, maybe it's not. But it seems to be more what's taught in Scripture is that God cares so much about the Christians in the world, his little ones in the world, he cares so much about them that he is, he is sending angels to constantly minister to them and help them and defend them. And this is sort of a, you know, just a picture of God's care for them. Uh, what it says in verse 10, the way, the way it's phrased in verse 10 is, um, see that you do, you do not look down on one of these little ones, any, any Christian, uh, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. They have uh, angels going back and forth between them and the Father. The angels are in the stand in the presence of God, so they have, a, they have the ear of God, and they're also being sent um, to help, uh, to, to help with the, to help the the Christians. And by the way, there's another verse that that that, that uh, explains this a little bit uh, a little bit for us. It's Hebrews 1:14 that says, "Are not all angels ministering spirits? Are are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Christians, the little ones." the ones who've humbled themselves because of their sin before God and received salvation in Christ alone, by grace alone, they are the ones who are ministered to by angels, the ones who will inherit salvation. Of course, they're saved in one sense. That means inherit the full thing when Jesus Christ returns. Um, but it says that now angels are ministering to them. So once again, notice he's talking about these little ones who are struggling, these little ones who are stumbling, and he's even going to say wandering off. But they are, uh, but they are, uh, but he is sending angels to minister to Christians. God sends angels. And the fourth thing I want to say, what is the good news about God, surprising and good news about God that Jesus is giving us in this passage, is that God will bring back a Christian when he wanders. When he or she wanders, God will bring back a Christian. Look at what it says. Verse 12. Verse 12. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he is happier about that one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander off. Okay, so there's, there's the picture, but then look how Jesus applies it. Look how Jesus brings it home and what he's talking about. He says, in the same way, your Father in heaven. He's talking about God. He's talking about God's attitude towards the little ones. He's been referring to them as the little children, the little ones, and now they're the, the sheep, the lost sheep. And he says, in the same way, your Father in heaven is not 
willing that any of these little ones, he uses the word again, should be lost. God will bring back a Christian when he wanders, when she wanders. Christians do wander. Christians do get off the path. Christians do uh, get into things they shouldn't get into. They do stray. They do stray from the church. They stray from obedience. They stray from um, on the right path. Um, they wander away. But God, the, there's, a, there's a message here that God will bring back a Christian when he wanders. Um, he loves, he, he hasn't, it's not, oh, you, you wandered, so you're, you're, you're dead to me. It's not, oh, you stumbled, so you're done. No, you stumbled, that means you need my help. You wandered, you need me to come after you. And I want to come after you because you're mine. You're my children. You're my king. You're part of my kingdom. You're part of my church. You're my saints. You're my children. You're my little ones. My little children. You belong to me. Not because you impressed me with your accomplishments and your achievements. You're little children. You came to me as little children. You had no accomplishments in your hand, no achievements in your hand, but you came to me humbled by your sins, recognizing your sins, and you came to me in that humble way, and I have brought you into my kingdom, brought you into my family, and therefore I will welcome you into my kingdom. I will help you when you face stumbling blocks in this world. And he says, and I promise you, you will face stumbling blocks, and you will stumble. He, he pretty much just says it's, it, it's going to happen. There will be stumbling blocks, and you will stumble at times when you face those stumbling blocks. He says, and I will send angels to minister to you, and I will bring you back when you wander. Now, I wanted to establish all that at the beginning because I want to make sure you understand that those truths must be set in our minds and our hearts when we now face um, the instruction we're being given on how he would have us to live. Um, but make sure you don't forget these things. Don't, don't, sometimes when there's talk about hell and all of that, there can be this anxiety uh, about that kind of talk as if Jesus was saying, if you sin, you're going to hell. Um, and that's not what he's saying here. Clearly, everyone's going to sin. Clearly, every Christian is going to sin. We still have the presence of sin in our lives. That's, that's not what he's saying. He's, we're going to get into more specifically what's going on here in a moment. Okay, so Jesus' teaching... Four points I just gave you about what is the good news about God. Now I want to, to switch gears here and say what, an, another question, how does God want us to live? How does God want us to live? What is Jesus teaching us about how God wants us to live? And I have three, three things I want to bring up um, here from this same passage, the same text we just looked at. I want to go back over them and pull from them. How does God want us to live? Number one, humble yourself toward Christians. This doesn't mean you don't humble yourself towards unbelievers too, but the focus in this passage is on the little ones and humbling yourself toward Christians. Um, look again at, verse, uh, look again at those, those first, first four verses, especially verse 3 and 4. Look at verse 3. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. How do you humble yourself? How do you humble yourself? Do you, do you change, change your nice clothing for, for raggedy clothing? Do you uh, quit your, your, your good-paying job and, and, take a, and take a minimum wage job? Do you, do you demote yourself? And, uh, you know, how do you humble yourself? Well, in the Scriptures, the way you humble yourself is you listen to the Word of God 
clearly you listen to what God is saying. What is God telling us? What is he saying? And there's two things he's saying to us. He's pointing out to us again and again our sin. He's pointing out to us again and again in our sin. But, that's, but it's not just a negative message. He's also saying to you, but you are saved by grace. You are saved by grace. In other words, it has nothing to do with you. And if someone gets that, if they see their sin day in, day out, if you are constantly living in the Word and so seeing your sin, seeing what your sin really is and recognizing that I am a child of God and I'm saved and I'm in the church and I'm part of God's kingdom only by grace. Because look at my sin even today. Look at my sin even yesterday and yet I'm saved by grace. And if that's what you're living with, that will humble you and put you in the right frame of mind to, to approach, approach other Christians with a humility and a lowness of, of heart and mind. Um, to recognize that you're not above them and, you're, and you shouldn't put yourself above them because of your own sin. But what we do instead is we read the Bible and we say, oh, uh, we, we don't take it seriously, for one thing. We water it down and say, like, oh, yeah, I'm basically doing this, and that guy's not. I'm better than him. And, yeah, I'm doing this, and I'm better than him. And, wow, I wish people would get this straight in their life. I wish other people would, 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 would figure this out and improve. I wish other people would do this. But if you turned it back on yourself and you really listened to the Word of God, it would constantly be showing you your, your sin, your sin, your sin, not to make you despair, but to humble you and to make you realize the truth. When you are seeing your sin from the Word of God, when you're reading the Word of God and it's, ta- and it's saying to you, this is you, this is you, this is you, you're saved only by grace, this is you. When that's happening, you are hearing from God and you are being humbled by God. When the Scriptures humble you, that's a real work of, the wor- that's a real work of God, uh, to be humble, as long as you also are getting the message of, of grace. That doesn't mean you're de- you don't, there's no reason to despair or hate yourself or, 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 or give up because God is still with you. He's still, gonna, he's still with you when you stumble. He's still with you when you wander. And he's sending angels to the little ones, no matter, uh, no matter, um, uh, no matter what sin that, they, that they, they get into, as long as they continue to acknowledge it and, re- and repent and humble themselves. So uh, humble yourself toward Christians. Listen to the Word and learn your sin. Listen to the Word and learn that you are saved by grace. You are saved by Jesus Christ's This is what we're going to celebrate in just a moment. What Jesus did on the cross is your only hope. Your only hope is in his spilled blood and his torn body. Your only hope is in Christ. Your only hope is in his death on your behalf. Do you recognize it this morning? Or do you think you're pretty good? (laughs) Or do you think you're doing a pretty darn good job and you've got this? And you're doing, no, you're not listening to the word of God. If you, or you're not taking the Word of God seriously, if you listen to the Word of God, you will see your sin. Sit under the Word. Hear about grace. Hear about God's love, His mercy, His grace, His forgiveness, His kindness, His long-suffering, His patience. And see your sin. And see the sin that is reality. It's just the truth. It's just the reality. You want to know uh, what God's Word says and what the truth is. And then you will be humbled as a little child and not be trying to seize positions above other people or put yourself above others, but you'll be humble toward other Christians. What does he say in verse 5? He says, whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. When you welcome, when someone welcomes you as a Christian, they're welcoming Jesus, even, even, even though you have all that sin. When they welcome you, they're welcoming Jesus. And when you welcome another Christian, 
when you are humble towards another Christian and don't put yourself above them, but you welcome them and you honor them and you're kind to them and you don't come to them as, as their superior, but you come to them in a humble way, um, uh, you're welcoming Jesus. You're welcoming Jesus Christ. Jesus is united to each Christian. So no matter which Christian and what their sin is and how humble they are, when you welcome a Christian, you're welcoming Jesus Christ. You are, when, you're, when, you're, when you're humble towards a Christian and kind towards a Christian, welcoming and, and receiving. Um, so don't look down on those with Christ. Um, remember that they're loved by Father. He says the same thing in verse 10. See that you do not look down on one of these little ones. Get your head out of the disciples, you know, beginning with the, the original disciples that this, this was addressed to. Get your head out of the clouds. Remember your sin. Um, uh, see that you don't look down on any of your fellow Christians who have faith in me, for I tell you that the angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. That Christian there in front of you, that Christian there in front of you has, has the ear of God. That Christian there in front of you is loved by God and cared for by God. Angelic hosts encamp around this, this one, this humble one. How could you dare to look down on a, on, a, on a brother or sister in the Lord who's saved by grace, just as you are, who's a sinner just as you, just as you are. Um, and then one other thing that's in here, which it seems sort of strange and out of place. Uh, oh, actually, no, we'll say, I'm saving that one for a minute. Um, let me do another one first. Look at verse 6. Um, but if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin... And remember, that's the word stumble, causes them to stumble. It would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Um, the idea there is, in the light of everything that's being talked about uh, before and after, I, I think what's going on here is he's saying, um, when you, when, if you are arrogant and self-righteous, let's, let's bring in this term self-righteous, if you are self-righteous in your attitude towards other Christians, other little ones, I mean, he's, uh, this, could be, this could be about the world, but it could also be about us, fellow Christians. If you get self-righteous about, I'm, I got, I, I'm right, and I'm good, and I'm, and I'm, a, and I'm, a, I'm above you and, you, and you interact with other Christians in a sort of self-righteous way, in sort of an arrogant way, instead of a humble way. Remember, what my point here is from this passage is that be humble toward other Christians. Humble yourself toward other Christians. If you're self-righteous toward other Christians, that causes them to stumble. That is a stumbling block to them, your arrogance. And, and we, can, we, could, we don't have time to explore this, but I'll give you two, two reasons I think that's a stumbling block, why, this brings, why a Christian can be a stumbling block to another Christian. Um, for one thing, it estranges that person. If you're arrogant towards them instead of come to them humbly, just on the same level and, with, and honor them and respect them. But if you come to them arrogant and self-righteous toward them, then you are, um, uh, you're going to estrange them. You're going to, how many people leave the church for a while or step out of the faith for a while or distance themselves from Christians because they were treated arrogantly, because they were treated self-righteously, because they were treated with pride, and they, were, they, were, they, they felt that they were being looked down upon 
Um, it estranges people. When you treat them with arrogance and self-righteousness, you estrange them and you cause them to stumble. And they may be out of the church for a while or disconnected from the faith or they may, get, you know, they may feel even disconnected from the Word and the Bible because of how Christians treat them. When Christians treat other Christians poorly, it often estranges those Christians from God. But remember the promise that just because they stumbled, God hasn't let go of them and God will continue to, to help them and minister to them. And, and bring them back. Um, but the other thing it does is this. When you act, if you're around Christians who are haughty and self-righteous and proud, you know what's going to happen to you? You're going to start to become proud too. If they're, not, if they're not turning that on you, but they're just sort of acting proud and superior, um, you may, you may want to be like that. You may want to be, oh, I'd like to be a superior Christian. I'd like to be an elite Christian. I'd like to be one of the better Christians who knows better than the masses, who, who is superior to the masses for whatever reason, whatever your niche was, whatever you're interested in that makes you, would make you superior to other Christians. And so self-righteousness also influences other people, and that's causing them to stumble. If, if I as a pastor ask, act arrogantly, and I have, God forgive me, I have acted arrogantly many times. And what I recognize is when I act arrogantly, I'm teaching other people to act arrogantly. And we do the same thing to each other so that we're, we become a stumbling block to other people. But he's not saying here that if you sin in that way, if you sin that way once or if you, if you, if you cause someone to stumble, you're going to hell. That's not what he's saying. He's talking about a lifestyle, two different lifestyles, a lifestyle of humility and recognizing your sin and a lifestyle that completely has no acknowledgement of their sin but just lives in arrogance and self-righteousness. You know, that's just their whole life, and they cause other people to stumble. And so he's talking about unbelievers there. Um, he's not talking about a believer who one day stumbles or for, who one day causes someone else to stumble and then goes to hell because of this one thing they did. That's not the way the Bible works. That's not what the Bible, that's not what the Bible teaches. Okay, two more things, and then I'll wrap up. The second thing is, uh, for, I said, humble yourself toward Christians. Fight. The second thing is to fight your own sin. Humility towards your sin doesn't mean you just give in to it. Some people, they may think, if you're saying, I'm, a, I'm a, just a terrible sinner, and so you just accept it, like I accept my sin. That's not, that's not real humility. Humility is someone who ex- recognizes their sin but also fights it. Uh, they know that they, they, they don't have success all the time. They fail. They still stumble sometimes, but they're against their sin. They don't want to be. They don't want to sin. They want to fight, and so they're putting up a fight. They still fail. They still sin sometimes, but they are in the fight. They are humbling themselves. They're recognizing this really is sin. I I, I hate it. I don't want this in my life, and I'm fighting it. And that's, that's the attitude of a Christian. True humility is someone who fights their sin. And I'm, and I'm referring now to verse 8 and 9. I think that's how it fits in. Eight and nine are the verses that sort of stick out of this passage, and some people wonder why they're in there. But let me read. The, let me read I think that's how it connects. Um, if your hand or your foot cause you to, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, and actually it says causes you to stumble. It's the same image again. It is better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter into life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. He's saying that this is what a Christian is. A Christian is someone who is in the fight, is fighting against their sin. Cutting off the foot is something that you would do. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a metaphor of, if you think about it, um, 
It's a metaphor that's sort of teaching us that you're against your sin and you're willing to take steps against your sin. You're willing to put up a fight against it. And you're willing to do things that are, that are very painful and you're willing to do things that are, that are humbling. Um, if you think about back to this whole image of humility and the little ones and all that, to take your foot off, <laughs> to, to take your foot off, to take your, your hand off, to take your eye out is a humbling thing. It's, it would be a thing, you know, for, for anybody uh, to, to, to be, uh, in their culture, it would be a shocking thing. He's using, deliberately using very, very shocking language to say, like, to make, to make yourself less, you know, to, 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 to do something painful, but also something that makes less of you. Um, I'm not saying that's actually true, obviously. He's, he's, talking, he's speaking to their situation and to their, their culture, that it would feel just like we don't really think children are less important than we are. Um, but he was speaking to their, social, their, their way of thinking socially. In the same way, he's speaking to their way of thinking socially, saying, you're willing to make sacrifices. You're willing to humble yourself because you are so opposed to your sin. You're willing to do things that are painful. You're willing to do things that are, that are troubling to you. So um, the last one is, uh, right at the end, number one was humble yourself toward Christians. Number two was, was fight your own sin, that those two things that go together. And then the third thing is your attitude towards Christians who get into trouble. Look for Christians who wander. It's not just teaching us about God, but get, the shepherd is not just teaching us about God, but also giving us an example of how we should live, that we should not be, oh, that little one has stumbled, forget him. That little one has wandered off, forget her. Forget, forget that one. Oh, that one's getting into that bad theology, forget him. That one's getting into that bad action, forget him. Forget that person and forget, oh, they don't come to our church anymore, forget them. Forget this person. Forget them. Let them go. Let them all. Instead, the example we're given is the example of the shepherd. And it says, if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, he will leave the ninety-nine on the hill and go to look for the one that wandered off. And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he is happier about the one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander off. Now, that's teaching us about God, but clearly it's also teaching us about the way we should be as well. We should have the same attitude as God towards those who are wandering. If God is saying, I will not let go of my people, I will not let go of my Christians, they may stumble sometimes, they may wander sometimes, but I will not let go of them. I will pursue them. He wants us to do the same. He wants us to, to as we recognize that that's what he's done for us, has God chased you out of a lot of dark holes? Has God found you wandering on the hills far away? Has God, uh, has you stumbled again and again and again and God has come to you and picked you up? Then when we see other Christians stumbling, don't be arrogant. Don't be proud towards them. Don't be self-righteous, but instead say, here's a brother, here's a sister who needs help. Here's a brother or sister who needs help now. Let's help them. I'm going to try to help her stand back up. I'm going to try to bring her back um, to, to, to bring her back to God bring her back um, to the church again, and I'm going to come to her in humility um, and, and, and to bring back those who wander. So what is the good news about God, and how does God want us to live? A lot of things to think about. Uh, let's pray.